and welcome to the Etail Business Podcast for Wednesday, May 23rd, 2018. This is podcast number 65. I'm one of your hosts, William Sellers. I'm Michael Faisley. And I'm Eric Malatesta. And today, hell has officially frozen over because... Absolutely. We have... Supposedly, I owe you $25. You do. One of our co-workers who, have, who has synonymously said, I will never be on a podcast, is sitting here in the booth with us today, Mr. Jeremy Landry. Hey, Hello. welcome, Jeremy. So, Jeremy, tell us a little bit, before we, get, before we jump into the topic, um, of, 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 we're going to recap some of the things we saw on Vimo, and tell us a little bit about what you, what you do for us here at Detail Business and the data center. Um, I'm a senior data center engineer um, with the infrastructure team. Um, most of my primary responsibilities are building and maintaining some of our systems, including cloud, our hosted exchange platform, uh, Zerto, Veeam, all the back-end infrastructure that supports those products. Yep. So, um, and Jeremy's been with us for nine oh, years. Jeremy's been here forever. Nine years. And he's, he's, he has helped us orchestrate all of our existing products yep. in their their existence as they are today. Yep. They would not have probably be the same if he was not here. That's correct. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, guys, let's talk about Vimo in 2018. Um, we just got back last week from that, that conference. Um, pretty good. It's in Chicago. All right. So, up north a ways. Um, really, was it? Chicago it was, was great. The weather so, was look, good. This is my first time in Chicago. And I will say the weather was awesome. The food there. Was that the best best thing <sighs> it, about it, it? It was, well, well, no, the best thing about it because we were there for Vimon. But the food was pretty darn good. Um, ate a lot of pizza, the first, didn't you? We didn't actually eat a lot of pizza. The thing is, the first night we were there, we flew in on a Sunday afternoon. So we get there, and the first thing we do is we got to get Chicago deep dish pizza. And we go get Chicago deep dish pizza at this place called Lou. Lou Malnati's. I can never remember the last part. Yeah. Lou is very easy. Malnati's, I can't ever get. But we had this deep dish pizza, and oh my God, it is, let's just say it's very filling. Yeah, well, Jeremy sent me a picture of the yeah. uh, leftovers, and I was like, golly, that thing's like 12 inches deep. Yeah, yeah. I, I love pizza, and I could only get in two slices. Because it's just, it was just humongous, so thick and delicious. But anyway, welcome to Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. <laughs> we did a few other things. We did went to Chinatown and, and and toured the city, and you know, in some of our off hours, and it was pretty cool. It was a good experience. Weather was great. Awesome. But let's talk about the conference. So basically, um, the conference started on a Monday. So the conference was three days: Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And um, the first thing we do is we had a. Uh, the first general session was actually at like 1 p.m., I think, on Monday. Uh -huh. So it was it started yes. later on in the day. And I will say the general sessions overall for both three for all three days were um were good. I think they were more partner focused. They were more vision and more kind of like company information and, and marketing versus being more roadmap ish. I think in 2017 when we had it here in New Orleans. There was definitely a lot more technical discussion. There was more road mapping. Uh, this is where they talked about Veeam 10 quite a bit. Uh, this year, we didn't really hear much about Veeam 10. We heard more about updates to Veeam 9.5, which was interesting. A whole year later. whole year later, yeah. 
but overall, the session, the general sessions were, were good. I mean, they weren't bad or anything. It just were less technical roadmap discussion. Was was the format the same between 27 and 2018? Just different content, mm. would you say? So the format, again, the format was less technical for the sessions, for the general sessions, like mm-hmm. the big, you know, yeah. go, everyone go to the good conference room, the big auditorium. Overall, the the... The, the the breakout sessions and the regular technical sessions were about the same, about the same quality, about the same gotcha. you know, caliber. Well, so th- think about it. what was the overall theme of the entire conference. So if you had to sum up the entire conference with a theme, what would, you know, like <clears throat> when you go to any conference, they have something they're concentrating on typically. Yeah. Well, what, what do you think they were concentrating on in this conference? I mean, I think data availability. You know, the yeah. hyper availability, hyper availability of, of, of your systems. Yeah. Keeping your systems up as much as possible, recovering from a failure as quick as you can, bringing, you know, restoring your systems back to their normal state if there's a problem. So Veeam, yeah. Veeam is trying to make the statement that they're more than just a backups platform. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I'll also say they they, they they did mention a few times your backups are just as important as your production gear, right? And, and versioning and that yeah. type of stuff is very important. Also, there was a running theme that every time uh, someone at Veeam mentioned their 73 net promoter score, we'd take a shot of scotch. So <laughs> that's something so, we did. From what Jeremy told me, that was a lot of times. Oh, yes. We were very well aware that, that the, the net promoter was a 73. Net promoter score was a solid 73. That's great. That's really good. So anyway, it was good, though. So the first session, uh, I think we both went to. Um, so here's the thing: the the sessions that we'll cover for the podcast by by no means are the 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 highlighted podcast. I mean, the, the highlighted sessions or the um, you know maybe the most attended. These are the ones we attended and that we thought were were fairly important. So the first one we both went to mm-hmm. was um, Ask Me Anything, Veeam R and D and Support. Okay, and this was on Monday. This was um, this was delivered by Anton Gostev, who's like one of their senior VPs of product management. Basically, he's kind of like the rock star of Veeam. He's the the, the technical face for Veeam. And um, it basically, what Jeremy, it was just a big, huge auditorium, it was just a giant question and answer session. You giant, could ask anything. Yeah, giant question and answer. Um, you know, they literally open up the floor for anyone to mm-hmm. just ask any question. It was a it was that's, a that's solid really hour session of just. Walk up to the mic, ask questions. Um, you know, some people liked the answers they got. Some people didn't. Yeah, <laughs> he, was, he was very brutally honest about things. But that's that's why I like that's why oh, I like yeah. some of these guys at Veeam is and, and they'll say when we're not ready to ship ship a product, we ain't gonna ship it. You okay. know, we we only ship good stuff. We're not gonna um, ship crap you know we're going to give you good stuff so uh, that is kind of cool because some other companies try and push and rush things out that's yeah, really good though that they that they have this i mean because you know there's a lot of partners out there that are that are wondering you know when is this going to be available and that's that's a great way to just go in ask a quick question get a quick answer yep. you know so some of the questions that were asked in jeremy we'll, we'll we'll kind of switch off these uh one of the first ones was when is uh, vmware vsphere 6 7 support coming and that's that's going to be coming out with the next update, update four. Right now we're on Veeam nine point five update three, yes, with some patches. The latest one, version four. And here, and here out. we are actively at that level. Oh yeah, yeah. we're right at we're right at, yeah. the, at the at the latest greatest. Um, update four should be coming out when Jeremy is it is it is uh, it the next month or two? Yeah, is what they said. A couple of weeks to two months. Yeah, and the thing the thing I want to reiterate is last Veeam on it was a lot of discussion of. Veeam 10, Veeam 10, Veeam 10. And this year, in fact, in one of the sessions, 
Uh, and I think it was Anton said, quit worrying about Veeam 10. We're going to give you these things and update. So I think when Veeam 10 does roadmap and does come out in beta, we'll see some significant um, new features. So I think they're rolling in some of the features that they talked about last year into Veeam 10 into just some of the updates, which honestly, who cares? It's just a number, right? If if I had to speculate, I would say that Veeam 10 is going to bring like a newer, fresher interface, other things. So it's probably more than just a back-end feature update, but a cosmetic update to the product. Um, and I think what they've been doing is putting the features into the recent updates, which is great. Um, we get them much quicker. Unfortunately, you know, we're waiting on some features we'd like to have today, but we don't have. So, yeah. One of the uh, one of the other questions that someone um, someone came up with, and this is one where I, th I found was fairly interesting. And someone said, you know, with Veeam's, we have the notion of proxies, proxy servers yep. that run Windows. That that's actually the data mover. You know, the BN, the backup and replication server is kind of the brains and the brawns of the proxy servers. And someone had asked, "Will there ever be a Linux-based proxy server?" Right? Like most, mm -hmm. like most companies, a lot of companies um, do. Yeah, they were primarily. That question was asked for smaller companies that maybe want to keep their Windows licensing costs down and stuff like that. You know, having to buy a server license to run several proxies gets expensive. Yeah, and the answer was. The answer was run it on a desktop <laughs> OS. <laughs> run it on a desktop. They said we don't have any plans. To come out with uh, a Linux-based proxy server. No. They said if you're trying to cut costs, use Windows 10. Works just fine, and it cuts some of your licensing cost. Um, so, yeah, that, that's interesting. Uh, we had a question about someone saying, "Is Veeam, can Veeam handle their database, the Veeam backup and replication database in HA mode? Um, they said, yes, you can use SQL Always On. I didn't find that to be... Well, so they talked about there's a knowledge base article that they have on their... Um in their knowledge base about setting this up. I think you have to set it up in a non-HA configuration and migrate it to an HA um, SQL server. Okay. I never really looked at, I never really went in the labs and stuff that I do. We never, I never built it in, in an SA in, in a HA environment, but apparently you can and supported. Mm -hmm. um, maybe in the show notes, I'll put in the knowledge base article. So if someone wants to do that, they can. Um, another question was, uh, and this is on Office 365 Backup or Veeam Backup, Office 365, synonymously known as VBO. Um, what are some of the other storage, op storage options, right? Because right now, for Veeam, you have to run it on either a locally attached disk, so a file system, so things like um, you know VMDK. If you're doing virtualized, you create a VMDK. That's basically Dazzy a direct attachment. Yeah. Uh, you can use iSCSI as long as it is directly attached. It is um, a file system. And uh, Veeam is working on lower cost solutions, right? Uh, maybe file shares that will be supported. Right now, in the documentation, it does say you can use SIFs, but it's not supported. So they say that could be coming. And also the possibility of uh, object storage. So directly writing from your your backup repository to a to a some kind of object based storage right right that means well maybe not directly but maybe archiving out your older data okay. to an object based storage so taking so me saying i want to keep a year here and then i want to move everything else out to yeah. gotcha. right well they're they're working on two things one is cheaper storage which we don't know necessarily oh so by the way some of the stuff is roadmap and they didn't quite want to get into the direct 
like we're doing this. Yeah, we'll have it ready today or tomorrow. Yeah. Um, it is more of, hey, this is where we're heading, yep. and we're going to give you lower-cost solutions, whether that's object storage or, you know, archive. Uh, the, the first thing they'll work on is object storage. The next is just being able to do backup copy jobs. Because right now in VBO, it's just you just have a backup job. There's no multiple jobs you can create manipulating the same data. You can have multiple jobs for different organizations, but not actually doing operations on the same job. And then the question that yours truly asked uh-huh. was, um, and this is something I've been interested in, is is there ever going to be a multi-tenant uh, portal for, for Veeam Backup Office 365, right? Where a customer wants, you know, we're doing, maybe perhaps we're doing as a service provider, we're managing multiple customers' backup jobs of their Office 365 data, and we want to give, we want to enable the customer to do their own backups, their own recovers, where we don't have to do it on their behalf. Um, the answer to that is no. There's no plans for Veeam to come out with that portal, right, for the service providers or just anyone. However, they did mention a couple of flings that the company has kind of endorsed, kind of like this is some of the customers have written their own um, portal through web and APIs. So it's there's definitely a rich API um, library out there for doing this. So really it's mm-hmm. up to people to write their own. In fact, when I was walking out of the building, I had like two, two different people stop me and give me their business card and like, hey, if you ever want to look at what we have, we'll share it with you. And, you know, I was like, oh, that's cool. Hey, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Sounds like a good community, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that was Monday. Uh, we only went to, I think, really one. Was it one? I think that was it. Was the, the general session. And then the um, the session, the R&D and support, ask me anything uh, session. And then we went uh, into the Expo Center. Did we I do th- another one? No, I think I went to a marketing summary on one of the products. Mm. I went right into the um, to the Expo floor and looked around. They had like a reception for all the peeps there, so it was pretty interesting. And then Tuesday, Tuesday and Wednesday's Wednesday was really the most active, uh, active days for the conference. Uh, that's where we hit the most sessions. The next session uh, we went on was a new product called Veeam Availability Orchestrator, or VAO, and this was given by Rick Vanover. Rick Vanover is another one of the all stars at yep. Veeam. Director of Product Strategy at more, Director of um, Product Strategy at Veeam, also Melissa Palmer, another uh, Product Strategy Technologist, and basically what this product is, it's only about two months old, so it's pretty much hot off the presses. Is it's a way for people to do um, push DR, button, yeah, push button DR of their Veeam backups or replication jobs to other environments. So any idea of the the uh, process that's going to be involved with this. Um, so basically, Where will it land how it's going to work. Yeah. So basically, it takes what we've done. You know how Veeam has Sure Backup and, and Virtual Labs, right? In the product as it is now, uh, it's taking that and just putting it on steroids. A lot more configuration options, a lot more granular um, failover capabilities, and a lot more automation. Um, and when you install it. So you can install it as an addition to Veeam BNR, or if you install it by itself and you're just wanting to use it for migrations, you actually get a copy of, when you install it, you get Veeam BNR and Veeam 1 during the installation because it uses those components. Oh, yeah, it uses all that. Okay. It uses all that for the solution. And do you have to license it with all those pieces, or do you license it just as, as itself? You would license it as one piece 
Okay. But it requires Veeam Enterprise Plus. Okay. So it's definitely a little bit more. Um, it allows for things like DR failover, planned migrations, schedule failover, testing. It's very, very, very granular. We're all fans of Zerto, right? The our, What we use here for uh, failover, failback. Uh, it actually has a lot of the same functionality and granularity of, of that tool. Uh, so we're interested, we'll be interested to see how Veeam evolves this product. Absolutely. There are things like dashboards for failover readiness. Uh, one of the things I really liked about it is it actually builds your your documentation for DR dynamically. So as you add machines, as you add maybe replication groups, it updates documentation for you. And in, in the end, it'll spit out a nice Word document saying, here's your plan. Here's your DR plan, yeah. Right. Power did they, uh, orders. Did they demo any of this for you guys? Uh, or was it all just no. kind of PowerPoint slides? It was discussion? mainly PowerPoint slides, yeah. Because I... Correct me if I'm wrong, but you said that they just released it, right? Two months ago. Okay. Uh, yeah. I was wondering if they did a little, you know, no, presentation of not in this how particular. It works. Yeah, not in this particular session. I think in some of the in the expo floor, they had something called like the hands-on lab. Yeah. Um, actually, I saw a, a very small demo of it. Okay. Um, basically, it was building some of the steps in the um, DR plan. Uh-huh. Um, they went through a couple of screenshots or um, walked through, a, you know, like adding a step or setting up a simple process in there or okay. adding to the existing process that was there. It's, it's you. a drag and drop type uh, process oriented yeah, like you, workflow. You click add a new step and you've got like basically a wizard. You can choose what kind of action you're going to take. I got you. Stuff like that. It's also extensible. It seemed like that. From what I saw, um, that you could possibly orchestrate other things. Oh, yeah tie into storage if you have orchestration APIs for that. Um, VMware orchestration if you need to, you know, like create a LUN or power on a host or something, you know, something along those lines mm -hmm. you could possibly do as part of UDR planning. A lot of the products in this one is no exception have heavy API mm -hmm. uh, documentation, right? Whether if it's doing REST or PowerShell uh, a lot of these tools have Swagger API that you can actually step through and see what it's doing as you're doing these actions and spit out your, your mm -hmm. code. Really powerful. So I'm interested to see, I think we'll be interested, and I think everyone will be interested to see how this product evolves. Um, right now, uh, it's available to customers uh, for doing private cloud failover, so vSphere to vSphere. I had tried to I'd ask one of the... Um, one of the arc, one of the technology people at Veeam pulled him aside and said, "Okay, now vCloud Director support," and they said, "Not yet. Uh, there's no ETA. That's right. their plan." And and really, honestly, the message was, "William, we try and do things with enterprise people focus first. We want to make sure the product is sound and that people are using it and that it's working. And then we typically will evolve these products into." Um, service provider centric. Right. But I mean, this is a great solution for those people that already have a Veeam. And are looking into uh, not buying hardware for the future. They could buy. They can move into a private cloud in a data center such as ours or any other, and th and then they could use these feature sets. And you know, our team could help them mold their their DR plan to fail into our uh, data center during a disaster. Absolutely, yeah. and that and honestly, that's what we're doing a, a good bit. Even now, we're doing. We're seeing more and more customers ask for private cloud. That's right. Because they want to have some functionality that that 
that really lends itself more to them having full hypervisor access. Yeah. So, uh, so that was the first session I went to on Tuesday. Uh, the next one, moving on, is uh, Veeam Availability Console, or VAC. And I think this was, there was a lot of sessions on this product. Uh, I know we went to at least two, I know we went to one together, and then probably another couple of them just separately. And uh, Veeam, AC, v, Veeam VAC is really an interesting tool. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'll sum it up and then... You know, you guys can uh, can fill in what y'all have learned. So, because we have VAC installed here, and we are looking to utilize it as well. And one of the things that we'd like to do with it, primarily here at Etel Business, is we want to be able to use. We have a lot more clients that are asking us for managed backups. They don't want to actually hire a backup specialist. So, they can hire us and pay us to be their their Veeam consultants. And through this tool, we can gain access into their VBR and actually manage the jobs, create new jobs, sp spit out agents so you have physical machines um, or Windows ma machines that need an agent-based uh, backup for some reason, and actually configure the, uh, the entire backup plan right there and then get out. They can also get reports on it and stuff of that nature. So that's what we plan on doing with it here. What did you all learn more um, that they're adding some functionality um, around remote management and some of the other things that you mentioned, uh, in installing and deploying to agents, um, you know, the ability to back up directly to Cloud Connect from an agent by installing a, a management agent into the customer's network that can reach the different clients that they want to back up with the agent tool. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot of – I wouldn't say um, – so right now it's version 2.0, and I think they're getting ready to come out with an update in the next couple of weeks that adds not really any new major functionality, but just gives enhancements to what's there, primarily when it comes to license management and reporting of what licensing that customers are using. Yes, That's that was, a, that'll be a big deal. Um, we'll be able to have a better idea of what customers, when their licenses expire out in the real world, um, out on their sites and be without proactive about and be it. more proactive about gotcha. hey your license is expiring we've got a new code for you and um, we, I was very proud of you because you did never in a session stand up and say your licensing sucks <laughs> so well, it was actually everything I've seen at the conference this this week this past week was um, they've made some major improvements to the licensing and I think some of those some of those pains are you know with us being a service provider it's a different Correct. Um, you know, it's a different configuration. We're providing our licenses out to customers, and I don't think they really, you know, it, it, their licensing model was based around an enterprise product, mm -hmm. really. So yeah, well, I think I think the, they're just, you know, they're growing up in that yeah, respect. Absolutely, and I think Veeam is is, you know, we we've we as I'm sure other providers has given them input on what needs to be improved. And mm -hmm. I think what we're seeing is Veeam does listen to their, their community, their customers, and we're seeing things come out in this product, right? So Veeam monitoring of licensing, ability to do things like chargeback and showback. So there's things like um, subscription plans that customers can enroll into where they have certain quotas and ways to manage their data growth. But this is not to be confused with uh, management of the VMs. No. Right? So, no. So I think that's something that we try to make sure that our clients understand. Just because we... 
e-tail business can manage the backups that has no effect on your VM itself. It's just creating jobs, checking jobs, checking error logs, making sure jobs run. And then should a job need you know, a DLL change, then that's going to be a reach out to the client saying, hey, this is something that needs to be mitigated on the VM itself. Correct, yeah. Yeah. It's also this product really is, is really focused for the service providers. In fact, you do have to have a service provider license. So I think you have to be a member of the VCSP community, Veeam community, to actually be able to get this product, right? Uh, it is free, so there's no, you know, points that you get dinged on or no cost. But um, I think it's a good product. I think service providers will use it a lot to be able to help bring that managed services. Um, yeah, well, I'm, we're looking forward to its maturity because, you know, we... we we do plan to use it here. Yeah. Um, that's really all I have on, on that. Uh, you know, if, and again, we'll put links in the show notes to these, these products. Um, I'm not sure if the sessions are out yet to be viewed on video, although I think if you search for Veeamon 2018 presentations, I think they're actually having sites that now have the slide decks for these products. So we'll try and include that. The next one we went to, again, on Tuesday. It's probably your favorite. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it was pretty darn good. Well, we just did a, a podcast recently on this, We right? did. Yeah. We did. I'm, so I'm interested to see what uh, what updates the, the 2.0 has. So what Faisley is talking about here is the Veeam Backup for Office 365 2.0, what's new session. Uh, this was with Mike. Uh, Re- <laughs> okay, this is a, a lot of these names are, in Ru- are Russian. So Wrestler. Director of Product Management for Veeam Software, and also Kostya Yesuk. It sounds close right. enough. And he's also a product manager in R&D. Um, so basically, the big thing about this, and we did a podcast on the 1.5 product a few months ago, was this allows customers to back up their Office 365 email. Right? A lot of people don't realize that Office does, Microsoft does a great job of keeping availability of the data, being able to keep their email up and robust, but when it comes to actual data protection and backup and uh, lifecycle management of the email, maybe not so much, and there's a need to actually protect this data. Um, this is a fairly significant upgrade because, and this is, and again, we have some customers that are on this product now, successfully using it, giving us positive feedback on, on our implementation. Um, the 2.0 product, which is in public beta now, will add support for, drumroll, Ready for this, Faisley? SharePoint, OneDrive, and OneNote, which is huge. Yeah. The crowd cheers. <laughs> which is huge because now not only can we back up our, and protect our email, now we can protect our SharePoint sites, and more importantly, the file data that people are dumping in OneDrive. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is something they've been missing. That's, that's, that's really cool. That, that is the big piece I think they've been missing. A lot of our customers use OneDrive. We use OneDrive mm-hmm. for a lot of stuff. And t- to be able to protect this data is huge. Um, so support will be coming out. I think the idea is it's in public beta now. And we should see this product go GA uh, by the end of this quarter or beginning of next. That's what they kind of they said. What, what, when, when it, now, of course, who knows, right? Yeah. Uh, but there, no, there will be no more feature additions. It's all now just working out the bugs and making sure things work properly. So things like improved automatic licensing and usage reporting is going to be baked in. Uh, the ability to remove or move customer and user data from the repository. All right, so you're backing up all your Veeam, your, your Veeam, backing up all your Office 365 emails. 
or customers, and you don't want this person's email to be backed up anymore, right? So now you can select this email address and say, purge this out of my backup repository. Oh, nice. Right? So it's, 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 okay. it's part of that um, accountability. Part of that is GPDR, yeah. um, general personal data regulation, which basically it, it may, is enforcing people to be able to scrape out uh, personal data from a company's organizational data structure, right? Yeah. I'm not a specialist in this. I'm sure we have Julia Burrow, our compliance person, who is head deep in this. But Yeah, I mean, this this world is opening up, and it's becoming more and more relevant every day. So uh, the GPDR is something that Microsoft has been speaking about more and more over the last six months. Yeah, so so definitely, you know, the way to be able to pull that data out um, in, in the Exchange Office 365 area, we can now do... Uh, backup and protection of groups and team mailboxes, security distribution groups, dynamic groups. Um, one thing that I found really interesting that I think is good, it's a good addition to this, this piece of software, is right now if you go into um, VBO and you're doing a restore of some email, if you click, you can actually preview the email, which is great. Maybe you want to look at it before you restore it. Okay. The problem is, what if... I don't want someone being able, a backup administrator, to go through and be searching through people's emails. Maybe I don't want that. So now what it allows you to do is have very detailed logging about who's doing anything with the backup data. If a person clicks on a preview of an email, there's it in the logs. If a person clicks and opens an email before it's restored, it's in the logs. So just another way of having accountability and auditing of the backup, process, backup and restore process for this product. I think that's going to be pretty pretty big. Um, the other thing, it uh, allows for OneDrive versioning. So now you can now back up your OneDrive data, and, but, been, but also be able to go back several versions mm -hmm. and recover those point in times, which is pretty cool. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. Did they set a limit on that? Mighty how so? Like, like a maximum amount of... How, how many you could mm, go back? Sure. I'm sure there is. Okay. Uh, you know, I was just everything that they mentioned. Yeah, it. they didn't really mention it that I remember. Did you remember anything about? I don't remember hearing anything about a specific number of versions. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can go back some number of versions. Okay. Don't know. I mean, again, right now it's still in beta, so yeah. all things may change. But again, this I think this is a welcome. Um, I think this is a welcome uh, addition to this product. Right. Uh, I think share, well, it's maturing. Hmm? It's maturing. It definitely is maturing. So I think. You know, so we talked about Office 365. You know, mail, SharePoint, Outlook. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, one Drive and OneNote. This will also let you back up your regular on-prem Exchange server. Right. Right. Yeah, so you just attach my Exchange server, back it up, and you're fine. Exactly. So there's there's overall improvements on that process for backing up local Exchange servers as well as everything that's in Microsoft Cloud. Nice. So that's that was on Tuesday. That's the last. That's the last. Um, that was the last session on Tuesday that we went to. Moving on. And Jeremy, did you have anything that stuck out on these products? That um, no, you've brought up most of the points. Uh, stuff that I saw. Um, I went to a session that did a little bit more of a technical deep dive into into the backup and recovery for Office three sixty five. Um, you know, they talked about how Microsoft implements throttling 
for that can affect backups. Basically, if you have too many hits to a particular folder, Microsoft will actually heat up that folder and then start throttling you. Uh, and they've made some improvements in the backup uh, VBO for Office 365 that basically it just moves on to the next folder, moves on to different tasks, comes back at some point to pick up where it left off with the backups of a particular folder. So it's the software is very intelligent about Microsoft throttling um, and very aware of that. Um, they actually recommend that if you're backing up mailboxes, you don't back up small number of mailboxes in a backup job. You back up large number of mailboxes. So it has the ability to so be more flexible. So it has the ability to be more flexible. And, and they say it can actually reduce your backup time. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, having that, having the, the ability to move away from those hot spots and still get your backup mm-hmm. jobs go, completed, yeah. that's cool. It seems counterintuitive, but uh, you know, in, until you hear what Jeremy says about the throttling part, then it makes more sense. Well, yeah. and, and they brought up the fact that you can even see this if you're an Office 365 user with um, Outlook 2016. You know, if you're moving a large number of uh, emails into a folder or something like that, you'll actually see where it'll say not responding or. Um, it's waiting processing, for waiting for update, yeah. and typically you've probably triggered something. You know, I know we, you know, we get a lot of internal alerts, and I file that stuff away. When I do that, when I run those cleanup rules, I notice my mailbox. A lot of the folders start going unresponsive like that. Hmm. They pick back up in a little while, but well, know. it's good to have that just written into mm-hmm. the to the backup software. I mean, oh, that's yes. pretty. That's pretty cool. They've they've written in quite a few intelligent. Um, enhancements to it yep so moving on the next session and we both went to this session was um how to integrate veeam backup and replication with IaaS or infrastructure as a service platforms uh veeam backup and replication integration with veemware v cloud director so this was very interesting um this is something that and this was uh and i'm gonna have to help have help with these names nicholas Sarachia, Senior Systems uh, Engineer at Veeam, and uh, Yuri Sukov, uh, Cloud Systems Engineer at Veeam, and also Tony Huyen, another Senior Systems Engineer. Basically, this allows people who are using infrastructure as a service and the underlying platform is VMware. So, you know, hardware, VMware vSphere, ESX vCenter, VMware NSX, vCloud director and where those VMs are being um, presented to the customer. The resources are being presented to the customer by an organizational virtual data center and then consuming resources and doing self-management of the VMs, you know, creating, destroying, manipulating the VMs. Um, A common thing that I think a lot of people want or a lot of, you know, the vision moving forward is to be able to back up, restore, create, and manage jobs of those VMs running in IS. And what is the common problem that we see with software applications that need to run in this type of environment. You don't have hypervisor access, right? So a lot of things like Veeam, you know, in the multi-tenant service provider world don't quite work right, right? Oh, right. They want to talk directly to the vCenter environment. They want to talk directly to the vCenter environment. doesn't mean it can't be done, but there's no real way to have self-service That's right. to where a customer can, like, do their own thing, right? And I think... Um, you know, this is something that's important to people. Um, so Veeam, uh, what they did is they didn't actually integrate it directly with vCloud Director inside the portal. What they've done is they leveraged um, the Veeam Enterprise Manager to be able to have a, a, a web UI that a customer would log into. On the back end, uh, a service provider would map the 
enterprise manager to a particular organizational virtual data center to a user ID. The customer logs into the Veeam portal. They only see the VMs that are inside of um, that organizational virtual data center. And then Enterprise Manager works with Veeam on the back end to back up those systems. And this is something that, I mean, and Jeremy, you tell me, I mean, you're one of our senior architects, basically. You know, this is something we look to see whether we can deliver something like this as well here at Etel Business. Yeah, we've had a lot of questions about it. Um, we just, up until now, we haven't really had a mechanism to do it. Right. house. So our, so, our, so our clients, imagine our clients saying, hey, I'm running 25 VMs in your cloud, but, you know, I'm using agent-based backups because, you know, Veeam is not supported. Now, this is a great workaround for them. Right. Yes. And, and people are still using, so, you know, and this that's, that's good what you said, but people are also still using agents, even if it's a Veeam agent. And that's right. If we talk about public public cloud, so you talk about AWS, Azure. Yeah, they install the agents. They install the agents. They install a VBR somewhere. They, the, the agents communicate with their VBR. They do the backups across the wire. Right. right. But what's cool is with this technology now, things like instant recovery right. is a possibility. And the, the deeper, I'm not going to say integration with vCloud Director, but the accessibility into vCloud Director for this product I think is going to be interesting. Um, it's definitely a, a step closer to having it more uh, vCloud Director, which is the the flavor we use, right. uh, more, you know, friendly. Yeah. And it gives you access into, like, the um, the File Explorer for recovering files, Exchange Explorer, mm -hmm. the SQL Explorer. Yep. It's going to give you all that functionality that you would get out of having Veeam on-premises. Yeah, now I think didn't did they, did we see a demo? Did they actually demo it, or was it mainly just slides? I forget. Um, uh, to be honest, I don't recall. I think it was about it was just slides. This this was one of the last sessions on on was it Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday. And your brain was it, getting fried. Your brain starts getting fried after 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 about a day and a half. You start kind of getting like okay, um, it's a lot of information, but it's good stuff. It's something that I think. Uh, service providers will start looking at doing. Uh, it's it it's you know here here at detail. It's not necessarily on our immediate roadmap, but it's something we're we're considering and we're looking at. So, yeah, we're definitely going to consider, and we'll work. Jeremy and I will work with the teams, and we'll try to put this in in production. And for, we'll start with a good test, and then we'll have some beta users. And if it's successful, you know, something we may be able to move out. Exactly, like Veeam. We don't release anything that is yeah. buggy or, or or flaky. We wait until we you guys have tested it thoroughly and it's 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 ready to go for a customer so it's interesting um like most of their products this is heavily dependent on apis uh rest powershell again uh enterprise manager has a pretty darn extensive api set so it's a pretty robust product on to the last session of the day and this was i think they call them super sessions um this session was Titled "A Sneak Peek at Veeam Backup and Replication 2018 Releases." Yeah, so so I've heard heard you say it a lot. A lot, a lot of these uh, individual products within the Veeam suite uh, are getting a lot of upgrades and a lot of tweaks that are not going to be part of 10. They're going to be parts of 9.5, or you know, if it's Orchestrator, it's Orchestrator 1.0, or if it's VAC, it's VAC 2.0 or 1.8 or whatever it is. But in other words, they're they're making smaller jumps uh, to get things out to us quicker. Yep, yep. In, in fact, one of the sessions, uh, <laughs> this was funny. One of the sessions, 
someone stood up and they go, where's VM10? I thought VM10 was coming out. Or that, you talked about VM10 last year. And the, the presenter said, doesn't matter if it's VM10 or an update. We're still getting these, these, these features come out. And rather than waiting a longer time to have a humongous release, we're just going to start releasing the products as it makes sense. And as they come along and become finished, we're just going to roll these into updates. So with that, I will say update four, Jeremy, you'd probably agree, is going to be pretty pretty feature-packed. Uh, from what we heard, yes, there should be a lot of new features in now, there. Now, and I may have got, heard this wrong, is it going beta in the July, or is it? it's not going production in July, right? I forget when it was actually. I think I wrote down in my notes. Um, so I, I talked to you guys the other day at lunch, and and, and one, uh, of one, you, of, one of us was supposed to go look this up. <laughs> one of you, no, one of you said it's going live in July, and one of you said no, it's going to be beta in July. The the gist of the matter is is it's, summer. It's going to be the next couple of months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it sounds like they're making a lot. Of, as, it could be as early as June or as late as August. I mean, I mean it sounds like they're know. making a lot of updates this summer. To yeah, a lot yeah. Of the products. Yeah. So just in the Veeam backup and replication software itself. We're not talking about VBO. We're not talking about VAO. We're not talking about um, VAC. We're talking just about regular Veeam backup and replication. We have, um, this was this was delivered by Anton Gostev, another, again, uh, senior VP of product management and, again, kind of the, the technical face to Veeam. Um, in this one, we had several, you know, several interesting updates and I'm not saying this is an all-inclusive number of updates that are coming out with update four, but these are the ones we know about so far. And these are the ones that triggered in your mind as something that you would you'd be interested in. No, no, these are the ones that all the ones that were here were covered in the keynote or the the super session. I'm saying is they'll probably they may have others that sneak in, but these gotcha. are the ones that were detailed in the not necessarily. Um, these are not necessarily important to me per se, but interesting. Uh, the first one they talked about is something called infinite storage or archive tiering. And this is where you can take a, um, a scale-out backup repository or sober and then push this to long-term uh, backups by doing connection to object storage platforms. So like we said earlier in the conversation, I got a backup job and I'm keeping seven years of it, but I really only need a year of it hot. Right. right? I'm going to move something to some other object Based storage somewhere else in the world, be it Etel Business or be it any of the other large providers. Right, and I'm not quite sure if this is a feature of Sober or is this a feature of backup copy jobs. I would think it's. I think the, the way I heard it at, at the at the discussion was it was going to be um, it was going to be a uh, addition to Sober and. Um, so Sober would do the work. Sober would do work. You still have backup copy right. jobs and Cloud Connect. Backup, so the job doesn't have to know anything about where the data is. The Sober will. Right. This also gives us the ability to get off to any S3 compatible. So Amazon S3, mm -hmm. S3 and Frequent Access, even uh, Microsoft Blob Storage and also on-prem compatible S3, like things like Cloudian and, I don't know, maybe Isilon, if, they, if, if Isilon is S3 aware. I'm not sure if it is. I know Swift is. but So that's interesting. Um Something called Forget Me Not, and some some of these are code names that they have for the product. Now, Forget Me Not is the GDPR compliancy. So, if you say, "Hey, I don't want someone's information, I want someone's information gone," uh, they can actually go into the job and say, "Take this user data, pull it out, and purge it out of all backups." It's the idea of uh, the right to be forgotten. 
And this is all having to do with personal data and personal data protection. So that's making it in. And I think that's just following suit with what's happening in the industry now. Uh, the next thing is quarantine. The ability to, um, it's a new antivirus scan feature. So as you're getting a backup job, it's scanning it. Right. That's right. great. That's great. Right. Just another layer of security. Another layer of security, Faisley, yeah. Uh, it's scanning those backups. If, if there's files that are, um, that are infected with either malware or a virus, it actually puts it off in another area of the repository. You can still recover it, but it's in a quarantined area. Very so nice. I think that's cool. Uh, it integrates also with Microsoft Windows Defender. Uh, Symantec, ESET, if you have these uh, tools already available, it can leverage those as well. Awesome. The next thing was uh, something called Nanny, which is interesting. Uh, it, they, they made a very strong point that it's not phone home technology, but what it does is, is it takes all of your logs from your backup and replication uh, installation and brings these logs, and you can opt in or out to this, but it takes these logs and pushes them up to Veeam support. Veeam support looks at your logs, find the, finds the top common misconfiguration problems with Veeam deployments, and notifies you of what's going on. Okay. okay. Yeah. So that's great. So, so it's almost like having that little person that pops up in the in the uh, in your screen when you go to a website. Hey, can I help you? Right. Okay. Right. Exactly. So I think it's good. It's, again, you have to opt into it. Um, customers are alerted uh, of, of detected issues so they can proactively deal with them maybe on the fly so it lessens the Veeam support call calls that have to go out. And then the last thing that was coming out with, with Update 4 that was mentioned in this was something called R2-D2. Uh, strange code name, but this is mainly just support for uh, Amazon EC2 so we can do direct restore to Amazon's cloud. Not really anything new here per se. Uh, it is new for Amazon uh, EC2, but Veeam has been doing this with Azure for a while now. So you can do direct restore to Azure. We can do it. We've been able to do it for a while. Uh, now they're just extending this to Amazon That's AWS. Awesome. All right. So all that's the stuff coming. All that's the stuff coming. Yeah. And then now there may be again. I'll stress there may be new stuff that's that right. come up, but this is just kind of what was covered in the super in this session. They, they feel confident enough that these will actually make it. Yes. So that was kind of our highlights. Jeremy, anything else? Um, well, not really. I mean, it was a pretty good conference. Um, you know, they covered a lot of different technologies. Uh, we learned a lot more about their stance with service providers. And VAC is an example of, you know, them working to make our lives a lot easier uh, by, you know, having web portal interfaces with multi-tenancy and stuff like that you know, geared towards service providers. And again, we want to reiterate, Veeam's net promoter score is 73. All right. Well, that concludes this podcast. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, please, again, uh, we're available on the iTunes Apple uh, Store as well as Stitcher Radio for those people using Android, Faisley. Um, you can also email us at podcast at venue.com if you have questions. Um, suggestions. Suggestions. Topics, anything. Yeah, anything. Uh, and again, also, you can check us out, check us out on our website at uh, etailbusiness.com, which also the podcast will listen there. So if you're That's like right. the old-fashioned type and just want to listen through the web, you can do that, too. All right, guys. Till next podcast. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. And Jeremy, thanks for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thanks.